0: Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the very beginning of the Prophet's mission, uh, there are some verses that are sent very early on that illustrate that the role of the Prophet is not going to be easy and that the responsibility that he's going to meet is going to be a tremendous responsibility. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala says, أَبْتِعُوذُ بِاللَيْهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ إِنَّا سَنُلْقِي عَلَيْكَ قَوْلًا ثَقِيلًا That indeed we have sent to you, Muhammad Salam, a, a weighty speech. A speech that comes with weight. Meaning the Qur'an. And we also know that very early on, the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi Wa Alihi Wa Wasallam, when the Qur'an, was initially revealed to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he went to Khadija al-Kubra, alayha salam that she took him to Waraqa ibn Naufa. And Waraqa, his reaction when he heard what the Prophet sallallahu had experienced, he said to him, Hadha ala, Musa. This is the same angel that was sent to Prophet Moses he said ya kuntu I wish I could be young because he was very old at that time and some reports say by that time he was experiencing blindness he said you know I, I wish I could be young to help you when people are going to throw you out and the prophet sallallahu alayhi he he became shocked he said oh like they're they're gonna push me out and he said nobody brought which you brought, except he or she will have enemies. So I would like to talk about in the first khutbah how there is a natural component to being a committed Muslim. And that component is the component of hardship. And oftentimes we like to frame religion, especially Islam within sort of the Framework of American religion, which is seen as kind of like self help books, and you know, if God loves you, you'll be rich, Joel Osteen, and you know, if you pray Fajr, your Bitcoin's gonna go through the roof, and very shallow kind of understandings of religion. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, over and over in the Quran, He says that, wa in Allah says to the Prophet, and when they reject you, Know that others were rejected. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He locates the Quran in a way that it becomes a spiritual agitator in society. And the Prophet is also a spiritual agitator. It's not just there to make people feel good, it's not just there to make people feel like everything's great. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the 25th chapter of the Quran, Surah Al Furqan. And the Prophet is weak at that time as far as his political strength, his economic strength. Of course, Muhammad Ali Sallallahu Alaihi is never weak in the heavens. But here, if we look at it strategically, he doesn't have the tools and the numbers to take on the Meccans. And Allah says, At that moment, even though it may look like they're strategically weak, Allah locates the Prophet and the Qur'an as spiritual agitators. We have sent this book, and we have sent this Prophet, not al-Arab, Not just to the, the Arabs, so that he will be to all people, alayhi salatu a warner, an agitator. The Prophet ﷺ, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders him to engage publicly, and we know this week is the anniversary of the beginning of the public da'wah. The Prophet ﷺ, Allah says, Go and warn your people, because those people were living foul. Not everybody should be given a good message. Not everybody should be dealt with, with everything's great, everything's fine. Sometimes we have to speak to Fir'aun. Sometimes we have to speak to Abu Lahab. Sometimes we have to speak to Hind, the wife of Abu Sufyan. Sometimes it's necessary to remind people of hell, just as it is necessary to remind them of heaven. This is the balance and that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah says, We sent to them mubeshire, prophets who brought good news but also warned people. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent this verse to Sayyidina Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa, sahbihi wa salam, immediately he goes to Al-Safa, which is like now for us any means of spreading a message, TikTok, Instagram. The news, whatever, writing op eds, this is the Safa of this era. And the Prophet sallallahu he says immediately, Ya Bani Hashem, anqidu anfusakum min an nar. He says, Oh Bani Hashem, save yourself from hell. Ya Bani Abdul Muttalib, oh the family of Abdul Muttalib. And he starts with his family so that people will see the sincerity in his da'wah, those closest to him. Then his relative Safiya, in other narrations, his own daughter, Sayyidah Fatima, says, save yourselves. So he locates himself in a place of being an agitator. Not someone who simply wants to make people feel good. And we have to appreciate that one of the impacts of Islamophobia is to make Muslims so thirsty for acceptance in America, they cannot be spiritual agitators. They can just pat America on the back just to show that we're part of the team. And when we do that, we fail to uphold the responsibility of prophecy. So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to him, "Inna We sent an incredibly Heavy speech to you. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa wa sallam. In thakil in Arabi, means it will always be like this. It's always going to bring with it a sense of responsibility. For that reason, we have to admit that being faithful sometimes is hard. Staying committed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the teachings of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in these streets, it's not easy, man. It comes with that agitation. That's why sometimes people are very uncomfortable around us because one of my relatives used to say like, it just really bothers me that you pray five times a day, man. And I was like, why? He's like, because I feel bad. It's like, this is not my problem. Like, come on team five, bro. I got five on it. Like, yeah, exactly. So I want you to embrace and not run from the fact that sometimes it can be incredibly frustrating. Sometimes it can be incredibly taxing within and out of the Muslim community. And sometimes it feels hard. It's okay. It's built into the system. Because hardship allows us to recognize a number of things. If the brothers can going to fo- fo- Ford, I'm sure people would appreciate it. Our sisters in the back would appreciate it. The first is it shows us who's really committed. Hardship has to exist because it's through adversity that we recognize fidelity. It's always great, like, like the Knicks fans, you know, Like, it's always great until they become the Knicks. (laughs) Unlike the Celtics. The point is, it's a good analogy. But we can take it to, like, a more at-home level. That sometimes our friends, our co-workers, our family, our communities, when they are pressed to take principled positions... And to stand in a prophetic office, people begin to crumble. Islam locates that as a blessing for the one who's able to pass the test. Allah says, that oh, it happened so that Allah, and the meaning is, can make known to you those who believe and those who don't. When the Qibla is changed, لِيَنْقَلِبَ عَلَىٰ عَقِبَيْهِ وَإِنْ كَانَتْ لَكَبِيرَةٌ إِلَّا عَلَىٰ الَّذِينَ هَدَىٰ اللَّهِ وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ الْيُدِعِي مَعَنَكُمْ The Qibla is changed. And Allah says, some of them, they turned from you, they fled. And to stay consistent on principle is kabira. It's difficult, it's great. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ هَدَىٰ اللَّهِ Except for those who Allah guided In Surah Baqarah, this is one of the themes if you go into Ramadan, if you start your recitation of the Qur'an, one of the underlying themes of Surah Baqarah is balancing attachment to commitment. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after talking about the corruption of the followers of Sayyidina Musa, he mentions the way to stay focused using ibadah, (laughs) <laughs> Stay patient. Stay resilient. Use salah and fasting as a means to center yourself through the hardship. So the first lesson is that hardship exposes hypocrites. Within ourselves, because we don't just want to outsource this, we all have our own challenges, but then also allows us to take inventory of who's really our friends. The same thing with success. How do people act when we're successful? How do people act when we struggle? The second is locating, and I just mentioned it, worship as a means to center us in the face of the challenges that we find ourselves in. That's why we have a great axiom that when the hours the signs of the hour begin we still have to pray and fast so if imam mahdi comes and the battle between majuj and majuj and majuj is happening and the dajjal is here and ramadan comes we still have to fast we still have to pray the third is we need each other and we have to begin to discuss ummah as we see this senseless murder in a shi'a mosque today Like, what has this gotten anybody? This senseless back and forth. We can have our differences. We can talk about our differences. I've met with Shiite scholars before, and we talked about our differences in ways that we didn't, like we still ate kebab, you know what I'm saying? Like, we put the kebab in front of us, everybody became brothers and sisters. But this senseless massacre of people in a mosque, these kind of, cathartic, and we don't even know who did it. We hope, inshallah, that they will be brought to justice. But this senseless kind of infantile attitude that we have to people who don't agree with us on issues in religion, especially on the main issues of religion where we agree, we have to relocate the word ummah as something as sacred as Qur'an and sunnah. Because that's how the Qur'an talks about ummah. Because of the infiltration of the birth of the modern state and the nomenclature of a post-colonial geopolitical world that has drained sacredness from people through things like manifest destiny, anti-blackness, Islamophobia, those of all anti-Semitism. All of those are ways of taking away the sacredness from people. But Allah says, وَلَقَدَ كَرَّمْنَا bani Adam." We honored people. We have what's called in our faith, in middle school, I remember the fourth lesson in tafsir is that men and women are created the same. Allah made us from the same parents. And now we find groups upon groups upon groups. Just yesterday I was reading an interview about one of the leaders of a, it used to be a very puritanical Islamic country, now it's inviting, um, you know, I don't know, WWE next to the haram. And commenting about that leader, they said, we used the religious movement that was in this country to destabilize and divide the Muslims further and further and further and further and further and further. further." So we we no longer see Ummah as sacred, And we don't see, and people as sacred also, by the way. And when we don't see, especially our religious community as sacred, then we can't work together in the face of difficulties. So now look how pathetic we are. Which empire do we root for? Russia or America? Because we don't have our own empire. We own nothing. We have no resources. We don't even have our own leaders in our own land. So we're so pathetic that we're the lapdogs to these two people. No Muslim feels shamed at this, that we can't help people being held in prisons in the Muslim world, the continued destruction and economic havoc that's being wrecked on Muslims in India. We can't even get our girls into school in France. But we are going to divide you and I over Sunni Shia, over how long our pants are, We're gonna tell the sister she's not welcome to the community because she's not dressed appropriately. Our brother's not welcome because he comes from a different background or different socioeconomic status. So you know what happens to weak people? They fight over imagination. They fight over what they don't have. So we need each other to face these challenges. And that's why Allah says, I finish. And a different qira'a, which is not from the arba ta'asher, it's qira'a shadha, but we can use it for proof. Inna it's not from the 14 authentic qira'at. Sabakha means to be torn into pieces. Sabakhtu athiyabah, tore the clothing. So, O Muhammad, salam, what you're going to experience in the daytime is going to rip you like clothes. So what do we want to take from this first part of this rather short khutbah, inshallah, hopefully? is first that it's not a simple thing to be Muslim, man. We are the last vestiges of prophetic light. We are prophetic Jedis. We are the last vestiges of prophetic light on the earth, before the end of times, before the malhamah. And with that will come natural difficulties that you'll face within your own life. And it's okay, man, don't beat yourself up if if you're making sins and falling to mistakes. You live in New York, man. This ain't Oklahoma. It's not easy to survive. I told an imam, I said, if I was 20 in New York when I converted, my God, it would have been very, very difficult to accomplish what I was able to with cows. So don't beat yourself up if you struggle because I struggle you struggle, we all struggle. Second is appreciate that we have to think about scaling and support apparatuses that help us take on this hardship. And I mentioned them. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'aihi wa ala bayna quloobul muslimin wa yahfazuna min fitn wa shayateen wa qudhu qawri hadhaa astaghfirullah li warakum faastaghfiru wa innakul rafur rahim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala Muhammad, wa We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we send peace and blessings upon the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. upon his companions, his family, and those who follow them until the end of time. As we finish now this brief, inshallah, sermon, I think it's important that we talk about what we can do individually to take on some of these challenges. Because it's not easy, man. When I look back at now 49 years old, subhanallah, you know, I never thought I'd be 49 years old. But then being able to survive, you know, as a Muslim is like, in spite of myself, Allah has been so merciful. But there were reasons, and inshallah, hopefully I've got like 49 more at least. But the first is you have to appreciate the power of caring for yourself. That's very important, man. Imam Ibn Qayyim, he said, وَكَانَ مِنْ هَدْيِهِ اللَّهُ التَّدَاوِي Imam Ibn Qayyim in zar Al-Ma'ad, he said that from the guidance of the Prophet وسلم, is to seek remedies, like medication. The authentic hadith, يَعِبَارَ اللَّهِ تَتَدَاوِي Prophet said, كَمَا رَوْهُ O servants of Allah, seek remedies. Imam Abu Hamad al-Ghazari Builds, us, builds on this even further and he said remedies really or causes are divided into two the first is what you know is essential to your survival like eating, drinking looking after your, yourself in this way and he said observing that practice doesn't take away from reliance upon Allah at all like, that doesn't contradict tawakkul and he said, "Bel Torkuhu In fact, not doing those things is forbidden. The second, he said, are those things which you're, you know, there's a presumption. And he said, for example, the advice of physicians. He said, and even that, from the guidance of the Prophet, is to act on those things. And by doing so, there is no contradiction of Tawakkul. The point is, it's okay, to look after yourself. Take care of yourself. Make sure you give yourself some space to breathe. al al Basri said, Al-Nas min Everybody needs a little break. And this applies also to our academic, I remember when I was in college, like it was the nervous, most anxious period of my entire life. The second is to see this as a process. Begin to now look at your life as a process, not an event. And this is why the Quran is sent in 23 years. It's not sent at once. Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu anha says, like if the first thing that was revealed had been don't drink, we would have never stopped drinking. If the first thing that had been revealed was don't commit fornication, we would have never stopped that. But alhamdulillah, she said over time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent faith and then later on sent halal and haram. When the Prophet sent mu'adh to Yemen, He said, You go into the people from the book. So teach them faith. And if they obey you, then teach them prayer. If they obey you, teach them zakah. If they obey you, teach them hajj. And then teach them Ramadan, the process. So don't look at your religious growth as one second or one moment or one event. Because that will create an unbearable sense of pressure on yourself. And shaitan will trick you to rise the expectations for yourself in a way that you'll hold yourself guilty and accountable to the point that it will destroy you. But see it as a process. Finally, again, make special du'a for those people that were slain. SubhanAllah in this brutal, indescribable murder. Just imagine yourself in a mosque if this happened to you and your mom or your kids, your relatives. And that will allow us then to locate ourselves in a place of empathy, no matter what our religious leanings are. And then as you see what's happening now in the Ukraine, with all of the lessons that can be taken from this, look at the Muslims begging for something they don't even have. Arguing over Ice Cube used to have a song when I was a kid, fighting over a street you never even heard of. So fighting over something, we don't even have it. We're just sitting on the outside watching people order food in the restaurant, man, waiting for something to be given outside. So think within the context of America, how you can build power for this community and how you can scale this community. Every time you see a mosque, it makes you angry. Build power to remedy that problem. Every time you see things that aren't handled in the community correctly, think about how by the will of Allah you can build power to address that issue. Don't just let it suck you into becoming cynical. As Allah says, that Allah gave people power to do things. So ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us adab with power. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us be those who will heal uh, a fractured world. We pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless those people who lost their lives, to accept them as shuhada, to bring comfort to their family, to bring unity amongst the Muslim ummah, to protect us from agents who try to weaken our unity. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless you in your studies, to remove some of the natural anxiety and concerns that are going to be there for you. We ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to let us meet the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi We ask Allah to bless our parents. We ask Allah to reward them for what they've given us and how they've helped us grow as human beings. And if they've hurt us, we ask Allah to help us heal and cure those relationships. We ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to enter us into Jannah without any accountability. We ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to assist you all in your studies and to facilitate your growth as future academics, and scholars, and contributors to society. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana, wa fi al-akhirati hasana. Wa qina'adhaab al-nar. Subhanu rabbika rabbil Izati amma yasifun, wa al-alamu al-salin. Wa rabbil alameen.